stay off of internet porn until we are done. Then how am I supposed to maintain an erection looking at you? <laughs> um, so let's let's restart. Uh, do you even remember where we were? Beast uh, was do, saying do you, something. Uh, I was going to say, do you just want to pick up from the, the end of your uh, manifesto or... <laughs> I hadn't even gotten to the part where we have a violent overthrow of Cartoon Network and replace it with uh, deep state uh, corporate alien lizard people who serially abuse serial television. I thought you said overthrow Cartoon Network. (laughs) (laughs) Touche, salesman. I too have an open. So with... You know, to kind of tie back into where we intended this episode to fit. We'll throw a commercial. We'll throw a commercial and we're good. Hi, honey. I'm home. I hope my sandwich is ready. Oh, your roots are showing. And you know how we feel about that. I'm Amber Gold, International OSI Super Spy. And ladies, let me tell you, it's harder than it looks. Stopping Sphinx in the Guild is easy, but keeping these naughty roots from peeking out is the real battle. Ventec and Dummy Core are proud to introduce Voop, a new line of feminine health and beauty products for the super science-minded ladies on the go. Time for your hair treatment. One trip to the nozzle took my amazingly lush hair from dishwater to gold. Ah, that's much better. Now, that sandwich isn't going to make itself, babe. Triangle cut, no crust, heavy mayo, and those little toothpicks with the colored plastic ends on them, blue only. Boop, hair dye. Because he's fantasizing about blondes anyway. Thanks to Boop, I can keep my man happy and my co-worker satisfied. Very satisfied. Found wherever abrasive chemicals are sold. Side effects may include tingling or burning sensation, loss of hair, scalp pain, rapid nasal hair growth, hallucinations, spontaneous male lactation, and loss of life. Not for sale in Europe, Canada, Ungerland, or Taiwan. Products may contain orphans. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and preface this episode by saying that this is the second time we've recorded this episode. We actually recorded an emergency episode last week when we found out that the Venture Brothers had been canceled and uh, due to a technical issue, a technical issue, a technical issue, a technical issue. Uh, I guess that's my cue to fall on my sword at this point. Like, this is... It's all my fault, guys. My bad. Like we're a week out, uh, maybe two weeks or whatever now since since the the awful news has dropped. So, uh, mea culpa. Uh, let's go ahead and get started again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome out to another spectacular episode of Conjectural Technologies, a venture industries podcast. <laughs> Adventure! Hey, 
podcasting the story of the Venture Brothers. Gary, nobody cares about the Venture Brothers. People care. Well, just be quiet. All right, fine. People really need to know this stuff. I am your host, Inimitable Brock Savage. With me, as always, is my longtime companion, the Baron Beast Lamode. And we are joined, as usual, by our resident denizen of dinner theater, a man for whom the butthole production of Cats was just the first step among many. (laughs) Hashtag release the butthole cut. You should see what I have planned for Bill and Ted. (laughs) I have a whole bunch of mustaches. Wow, you almost lost your drink. Okay, easy killer. So we're going to get this episode out ASAP because I know the listeners of the show will want to know what we think about this. And uh, we're going to go ahead and run through kind of the rough chronology of how everything developed, why it was canceled, what a potential season eight might look like, and where it might be. It's cute. You're still in denial. I love it. So here's where we are at. Um, at the beginning of Dragon Con week, James Urbaniak responded to a Twitter post. No, no, no. Uh, Ken Plume. Oh, sorry. Ken Plume. Ken Plume. Uh, and actually, Beast, you know Ken. So tell us a little bit about who Ken Plume is and why what he said set the entire venture world on edge. So uh, I, I casually. Yeah, I know, I know Ken Plume. Now, I dream about knowing him uh, in real life. Uh, Ken Plume is the real life uh, 21. He is one of the, the friends of both creators um, and it very much inspired that character. He also wrote the Go Team Venture book. Um, so he's definitely had a, uh, you know, very much a inside track on things um, because, you know, he, he's just one of their best friends and uh he puts out a lot of great content so check out his podcast also a bit of a chat with kim plume uh and he's kind of like also dermot he's the unofficial venture brother in terms of like you know the the creators like it's doc and it's you know uh jackson but also like kim plume you know and then another unofficial definitely would be you know uh ben edland right but Kim Plume's got the inside track on these things. He's very much friends with, you know, uh, cast members on the show, uh, guys like John Hodgman and James Urbaniak. And he keeps up with Doc and Jackson. So, I mean, he's super credible. And what I loved about, like, this immediate thing, he puts out, like, it's a tweet uh, somebody put out. It was like, you know, your favorite TV show that got canceled too soon. And Ken Plume breaks the Ventureverse by retweeting this with the caption, Venture Brothers. This is on Friday, right? Right. Dragon Con? Well, and what people, like, immediately started doing was, I mean, everybody started, like, analyzing this in, in one form or another, right? So people obviously took his word very seriously. And then there was actually a very large group of, like, skeptics immediately. Uh, they were like... um, oh, he's got a uh, some sort of non-venture-related panel with Doc and Jackson coming up. He's just doing this to create hype for that on Dragon Con, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, so that aged well. Um, <laughs> and uh, so not long after that, like after Dragon Con, we, we got the, the official big news. Um, on, which, yeah, on September 7th, which is a, uh, which is a Monday. 
That's when the hand of officialdom dropped. A week ago today, and uh, as, as Vaude Villain pointed out to me, today, uh, as of our recording, September 14th, uh, is uh, Christopher McCullough, uh, a.k.a. Jackson Public's birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> we got you your show canceled. Yeah, it's like, happy birthday from Adult Swim, and fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> so what Jackson Public wrote was, quote, unfortunately, it's true. Hashtag Venture Bros has been canceled. We got the highly disappointing news a few months ago while we were writing what would have been season eight. We thank you, our amazing fans, for 17 years of your kind and patient attention. And as always, we love you. Uh, and then shortly after that, James Urbaniak came out with uh, so it must so as it must to all cancellation has come for the venture bros the pilot aired 17 years ago which means the show is almost old enough to vote it was one of the greatest gifts of my life and career the fans were quite simply the best thank you everybody go team venture and he posted a picture of doc from uh, the courtroom it was the trial of the monarch right good night ladies and gentlemen you've been a great crowd <laughs> and it was, uh, I mean, 40,000 likes as of, you know, like just, and eight and a half thousand people tweeting about it. Uh, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and point out, like, this is one of those weird deficiencies in social media where I don't like this. Why is like my only option? I do not like this. I do not like my favorite show being canceled, but I have to push that button and say on some level that I like that. I don't like that. No. We cut, when did we cut our recording? Was it exactly a week ago? Yeah, I believe it was exactly a week ago. Yeah, we yeah, cut we our recording exactly a week ago. <clears throat> and what this, uh, it, we actually had the entire helper network on, you know, our, our cohort from the Venture Sisters and uh, the Guild of Calamitous podcast. And everybody was just trying to process this news. Uh, Dolly Parton was three sheets to the wind hammered like she was dock hammered she was <laughs> not uh like and uh, she was wearing her what would dolly do shirt <laughs> right and it, it was one of those things that uh, i wish we had actually managed to salvage the audio from because her statement about what the venture bros meant to her was touching hilarious and completely on point because one of the things that it's hard for some people to kind of come to terms with is what happens when you have something that has been a part of your life for 17 years and her story was again like she had a very difficult uh series of medical issues right and she was saying that you know whenever she was struggling with this the venture bros were there when she was in the hospital like over and over and over again, the venture bros were there. And when she was having all these issues, like even with the birth of her child, right? Like she's sitting there and her husband has to be at work, but the venture brothers were there for her. And it was a bright spot in her life that has maintained its integrity as a source of genuine joy for 17 straight years. And, you know, man, I, that's something that I think is very relatable 
um, in a lot of fashions uh, across like the, the venture fandom. Like, let's call it what it is. Venture Bros is great comfort TV. Mm-hmm. For what I, I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> you know, like I can't, it's maybe watching people be a worse person than I am. That's, that's oddly comforting. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's funny. Like one of the things that Savage does um, and incidentally, like I find myself doing probably because I, I've known Savage this long when there's something stewing in his brain or like, you know, he's kind of confronting a, an obstacle in life or, you know, things just aren't working out like he's in a funk. He will forego sleep to watch just comfort television and meditate. And there was almost like, what, two, three years solid where that was Venture Brothers. And like, you know, we maybe got like two new seasons in that time, but like rehashing like one through like (laughs) 4.1. Like well, and, and, you know, it's funny that you you mentioned that because I until you said that just now I hadn't put that together because you, you remember what was going on in my life at that time like that was one of the worst periods of my life he, like just it was that's when everything kind of went sideways and uh, it was in retrospect one hundred percent like when everything had gone wrong. And you are just trying, when everyone's telling you to get therapy and you're like, no, I got the Venture Brothers. <laughs> like, I don't need therapy. I don't need a lawyer. I don't need none of this. No. I mean, or, and, as Tits would say, no, no. I mean, uh, I really understand that. I, I find myself like uh, comfort watching certain shows, depending on what kind of funk I'm in. Uh, Venture Brothers is definitely like on that rotation. Uh, Sherlock is another one. Oh Just yeah, because, like long episodes and soothing voices. Like, <laughs> well, and, you know, it's it, like it's, David. It's like oh, David Attenborough narrating like true crime, <laughs> right? You know, I, I uh, my wife, uh, Doctor Mrs. Savage, um, she actually has a theory that whatever I'm binging on is an in-depth explication of what my issue actually is and that if i'm binging on something if you know what that something is you can probably figure out what i'm dealing with (laughs) or like what my (laughs) struggle is you know man that explains a lot there was a whole period of time you were into battlestar galactica that i just couldn't relate to you you uh well that was uh you remember that was when the whole thing with um well i i don't want to get into but like again the whole thing about that is essentially having your home betray you and trying to find your place in the universe when everything you thought you could trust was shown to be trying to kill you mercilessly interesting interesting (laughs) now okay how about you villain like uh have you have you found yourself like comfort binging uh essentially like let's let's if venture brothers was a bottle of whiskey uh we'd all have problems <laughs> but it's not so we don't um so have you ever found yourself like in, in the the pit of life's despair like binging on venture brothers trying to get to the bottom of that bottle uh venture brothers is definitely one venture brothers though for me is actually when things are going well 
I like to enjoy other people's misery when I'm happy. So that kind of works for that itch. Uh, when life is chaos, just in general, I like to watch The Office because then I'm like, oh, my life's not chaos. That's so wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get this straight. Venture Brothers is your, like, glass shaken, not stirred of Scott Tinnerman's tears. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is, I get to sit back and I get to watch. And then when someone does have a small little victory for themselves, because they do eventually give some people little moments here and there, those are great. And then at the same time, you know, I'm in a good mood, so I'm happy. I'm going to notice the little the little intricacies of, a little bit better. Um it works for me in that way. I, I enjoy the chaos when I'm in a good mood that Venture Brothers offers because it's, like we've said, it, it is always looking at the uh, the worst in people generally. Um, whereas when my life is in chaos, I like The Office because it goes to, and everything works out well for everyone in the end there um, for the most part. Uh, so no, definitely the the what you're binging and what you're going through, I definitely buy into that theory for sure. You know, one of the, we again recorded this a week ago and we had everyone trying to process the news and the reactions that we were getting from people were just absolute shock. Like we legit believed that the Venture Brothers were, like, I truly felt like season eight was going to be uh, their final season. Like, I felt like we had ended season seven with a setup for the trench run, and we were getting ready to get the attack on the Death Star. Like, I truly felt like we had reached a point where these things that had been brewing were coming out. Like, do you remember when we were going through and making uh, season eight predictions? right? As we were going through and making these predictions. Boy, we they, were fucking wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. We were incredibly wrong. Not a single one of us predicted abject disappointment. Although, let's be honest, isn't a show about failure failing to deliver its final episode just the ultimate statement of art? You know what it should have this been? This is they, so fucking Bowie. Oh, my God. <laughs> they should have ripped off the uh, the Clerks animated show with the uh, previously on on the very first episode, and it just cuts to the TV signal screen because it's the pilot episode. There's never been anything else, and yeah. it just plays that for three seconds. But that should run for 45 minutes because they were going to try and give us, you know, a big special, but they didn't come through. Uh, do a venture-style uh, test screen. That would have been great. Um, there was a, uh, I think it was like the, the headline for maybe like a, a polygon or inverse article, like, like one of those, like, you know, trendy web things that, that actually nailed it right on the head for me. Like canceling Venture Brothers uh, after season seven is like ending the MCU right before Endgame. Yes. Yes. I'm like, you know, that, that actually sums it up really well. Like we were finally getting to like the, the, the 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 peak here like you know um we were finally getting to uh the 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 thrust of the fucking matter and uh now it's just blue balls you know i I actually had uh i was having this conversation yesterday um how many times have you heard someone when they're talking about a tv show that they love like it it actually uh, actually stemmed from a conversation about uh game of thrones 
and about how many people hated the final season, which I actually I disagree with. Uh, as a general rule, if you don't understand why someone is making the decisions that they're making in the final season, then you haven't been watching the show. Like when you've got this many seasons of something, you should understand why this character does this. Because and but I it I, it also got me thinking about why people say they like the character kind of in the middle, but not at the beginning and not at the end. Because it's, well, I mean, and I'm sure you've seen it too, right? Uh, oh, uh, with Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, I didn't like the final season because he was different. Like, and the thing most people, I think, tend to forget is that you have a character that they're starting with and you have the character they know they're going to end with. And everything in between is transition from step one to whatever phase you're going to end up with. Character, right? character gnomes. Character. Step one, character. Start yeah, character. Right. Step three, resolve character. Step two, question mark. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, I, I'm 99% on board with your theory because I really do agree with you. The amount of times people don't, agree with the ending or like the beginning of where somebody's journey you have to go on the whole journey with somebody but the one show i want to just test your theory on is did you watch dexter no okay then we can't have this conversation on that uh because that was one where i i would have loved to have seen how you logic that that ending made any sense now well like okay so since since we can't hop on the the dexter i think one thing we can touch on that i think does have like immediate presence here is is fan entitlement like the truth of the matter is like you know fans will go through the journey and then i'm going to be honest with you like most people don't know how to consume art they consume art like a middle schooler for like the rest of their lives so they hate to see something end. They want the fun to always be there like they want it to be a perpetual like party and that can't be it um and and you know i think uh especially with like game of thrones you know people were exceptionally hard on the ending uh star i would wars. definitely agree with that yeah i mean star wars uh you know can uh people were exceptionally were hard on like the last three movies can i say that people were exceptionally hard on the rise of skywalker with good reason <laughs> <laughs> well and you know you, you've gone through and and explained that film to me as as why that's like an empire level film well no that's the last jedi oh last jedi i'm sorry i think the last jedi is an absolute work of brilliance and the fact that we got that out of disney is a testament to ryan johnson uh, johnson's salesmanship because that is a movie that by all intents and purposes should not have been created under the system they had in place and the fact that they let him run with it. And it's not about just subverting expectations to subvert expectations, because that's what Abrams tried in The Rise of Skywalker. And it just fell flat the whole time. Um, well, and and I, no, I guess uh, kind of rounding it out to the Venture Brothers, like I'm okay on some level with like the Save the, the Venture Brothers campaign. But here's the thing is like, I don't want this perpetuity. I want a cap. Like I want a, a special. I want a last season, maybe to to tie up some loose ends and to create some fun loose ends that are okay with being loose. 
you know, uh, I do think, you know, I retrospectively. Know is. <laughs> well, dude, and I think honestly, retrospectively, Safrax Protocol is as solid a like series finale as it is a season finale. Um, like if they would have dropped the ending. You can't, or that they would have dropped the Doc and um, uh, Monarch storyline. I think people would have been more okay with it. But you can't set that up in the last episode and not follow through with any extra on that. The the scream you mean at like the orb? end. It, it, you can't end on an orb. <laughs> I love orb, but apparently there's a lot of hate for what they did with orb. And I'm well, just saying, I, if you got that level of hate, you can't cap your entire show off with that. Like, I agree. Like you can't, you can't orb twice. And I loved that orb fell short on purpose. Like I, I love that it was anticlimactic. Like that's that's one of the it, things it, I enjoy about it. It was one of those ones where you're like, oh yeah, the guys who wrote Escape to the House of Mummies definitely wrote this episode too. Like they love that idea of like, let's write a story that we just don't actually give a shit about as a viewer. Like by the end, this just cuts the entire thing in half because we did one thing to it. Like they're just so good at making an amazing story, but then just chopping out its own legs. Like, well, also, okay, here's something I, I, I actually uh, I've been th- ruminating on in the past week, right? So Venture Brothers, uh, like for all intents and purposes, is a Gen X cartoon like for and by like a lot of the references and this that the other i mean and especially with like you know the uh variations in in the social climate now like you know uh with the hunters gather storyline and and you know characters like hatred number one do you think venture brothers could be pitched the same way that it was pitched in the day and still get made and number two do you think it's just time for the show to go? Because now the references like are, are getting too far gone. Like, I mean, sure. It's great that it's a show that could be introducing kids to Bowie, but at the same time, like, I mean, kids aren't uh, necessarily going to get like the bat Hank joke the same way that like Savage gets the bat Hank joke, because I am 110% certain this man had that costume growing up. Like the buddy camp episode. When was the last time you saw like a local camp advertised on cable? You don't because everybody's streaming now. Like there are just some references that like are like the fact that they were referencing Johnny Quest in the 2000s was already kind of a stretch for a lot of people. You know, so do you think that like the show's just had its time? So uh, I'm going to push back a little bit by pushing us even farther forward. So I love that you just brought up that reference. The time gap between the airing of the Venture Brothers and the ending of Johnny Quest was, what, 28 years? The original Johnny Quest series? I'm sorry, Um, 1964. Yeah, so it was 35 years, almost 40 years, right? And they were making a cartoon about the stuff that their parents watched when they were kids. All right, Mm, I think, I mean, that's stuff that they watched when they were, It, it is stuff that they watched, but again, like it is a throwback for them. 
Okay, like the same way I enjoy MASH. Yes. MASH was first run for my parents, and the reason, like, I hopped on board with MASH is because, like, that was pretty much just, you know, propaganda, like, television, like, inundating me from the age of, like, you know, two and beyond. Yeah. And when we're looking at how this show, I mean, bear in mind, we are 60 years past when Johnny Quest aired. The question is, do the references still play? Could you make a Wizard of Oz reference and have people get that right now? Because Wizard of Oz is way older. Uh, yes and no. Okay, so we, we earlier we were talking about uh, Cobra Kai. Here's an interesting thing. How many people recognize wax on wax off without ever having seen the karate kid movies so there are things that are cultural touchstones but again like you know that doesn't mean you get the whole reference it's like you know i know full on that there are some people who are like oh i know johnny quest was a cartoon i never really watched episodes and i understand that this looks like it might be a parody on that you know, uh, because again, the way that they structured it so brilliantly was, yeah, you could totally pick up on the the Johnny Quest of it all, or if you didn't know the Johnny Quest of it all, it didn't you're going to pick, yeah, yeah, it didn't matter. You're going to pick up on the Bowie or the Fantastic Four or any of the other like weirdnesses. And that's actually why I think that this argument is to some degree a a moot argument in favor of ending the Venture Brothers now, specifically. Um, and actually, here in just a moment. Well, okay, because okay, the show on. lasts so long, I get that. Like the references go out. Like I think the newest one I saw was they made a Game of Thrones reference. Yeah. In season six. Uh, dude, uh, the, the, and here in just a minute, I'm actually going to read what I wrote uh, right after I found that it was canceled. Um, but the reason I want to go ahead and bring this up was the Venture Brothers had the single best Rogues Gallery out of any show ever because it was literally every show ever. They had everything tucked in there, right? Oh, you dude, had- I mean, uh, like, it, to do just a quick, like, laundry list off the top of my head, going, like, in obscurity and popular, they touch on, uh, they touch on Karate Kid, Cobra Kai. They touch on uh, Tron. Uh, they touch on G.I. Joe very heavily. Uh, they touch on uh, The Last Dragon, again, one of my favorite martial arts films. Uh, they touch on The Warriors. like Dude, and, and, uh, and let's not even skip The Wonder Woman, The Superman, like the comic book stuff. Dude, and, yeah, I mean, I was intentionally like dancing around all of that because yeah. that's, that's on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Mark, Mark Hamill himself playing a clown-like yeah. character. like. <laughs> and it's this show's deep and abiding fanboy heart that had, like, because this is one of the things. So uh, obviously the guys who ran the Guild podcast uh, were much younger than me, right? I, I mean, I, I'm in my 80s at this point. So when I'm- in, 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 in internet years? Yeah. <laughs> And, right. Okay, Boomer. Um, so essentially what was striking to some degree was how much of this show 
had been embraced actively by not just the millennials, but by Gen Z, right? Uh, and I was shocked to learn that Rusty Venture is a queer icon. Like, and well, not, just mean, the, not, not just the shore leave, uh, you know, their striped shirts on Fire Island type of uh, icon, but legitimately being held up in some, in a way that I personally didn't, wasn't even aware of. Well, and I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I think that that's like the appeal with like Gen Z as an audience is they're very good at appropriating the, uh, you know, the artwork. Like they're very good about appropriating the art and making it theirs in a very interesting sense. Like, you know, again, finding uh, relatability in a way that you didn't necessarily anticipate. Um, but at the same time, like, I think that like that's uh like on the, the counter lever on that is um, they do a lot of self-compromising with like, you know, well, this character's bad behavior is okay because I like them. But <laughs> this character's bad behavior is not okay because I do not like them. Wow. And, uh, wait, it, it, so who are you voting for? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and my whole thing like here is, you know, the I think the the general thesis of Venture Brothers is that like, you know, uh, very much as the, the general thesis of a lot of like, you know, postmodern pop culture examination, stuff like The Boys is, you know, your heroes aren't heroes and your villains aren't villains. Like people are people, you know, everybody has ups and downs. Everybody has, you know, good flaws and bad flaws. And, you know, Venture Brothers is a particularly interesting state of hyperbole. But, like, if Venture Brothers was pitched today, like, I mean... Would it fly? Would it fly? I don't know. I mean, I, there are definitely things that wouldn't. First off, uh, you know, like, I'm really surprised this hasn't happened yet, and I'm, I'm really hoping I'm not starting a fire here. But, like, I mean, I'm glad David Bowie's dead so he can't be canceled because uh, that guy's got some skeletons in his closet. And I mean, he's one of the more intriguing characters of the guild, right? Yeah. And of course they wrote it off, not really David Bowie, but they did that because they were afraid they were going to be sued by David Bowie. Yeah. Um, Hatred is not a character that could fly, even though personally for me, he's the only character that shows active redemption. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it, it's weird that like, he's the one dude that doesn't kink shame anybody you know, he's a pretty open guy and I get it. Like, I mean, he's severely flawed, but he's also voluntarily chemically castrating himself. Yeah. So he's the only dude on the show that recognizes his severe flaw and volunteers to fix it. Yeah. I mean, Brock yeah. Samson comes around to like, you know, am I a killing machine? Is this right for my soul? And then comes back around to hot dolphin. Fuck. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> like you know there's and i appreciate that i love that like that's one of the things about brock that does not change you know his character arc is a whole different set of circumstances that involves like you know how he feels inter but like you know hatred is Sorry, very wait, wait, you, you just you cut out there out, so say it again no I, I really appreciate that brock's you know uh character arc as a person isn't centered on his like murder morality but it's centered on his interpersonal interactions with the family yeah like brock's whole story is about coming brock you know what brock's story is i i'm just realizing this 
Brock's story is the same story as me moving to the suburbs. How do I make peace with where I found myself? <laughs> like, I, this is not the life I am built for. How do I find peace with this? You know, that through line pops up quite a bit for you in Venture Brothers. That's interesting. <laughs> um, um, while we're here, do you want to talk about your mother? Right. <laughs> um, I actually, I did want to go ahead and read what I wrote uh, in response to the cancellation and uh, kind of use this as a launch pad because uh, I'm sure there's some things you guys are going to agree with and some things you guys might disagree with. So do I have your leave to read this? I mean, you can read it, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to heckle you. Right. No, okay. Um, I'm seriously, like, undivided airtime. All right. Uh, Venture Bros was one of my all-time favorite TV shows. The overall vibe was impudent and simultaneously reverent. There was a deep love for the prima movens and the 100,000 little details that informed the cultural background, the zeitgeist, and the elemental tones allowing for a world of super science, costumed aggression, and deep-seated psychological manifestations that we're all intimately familiar with in ourselves and people we knew. All playing out against the impossible made mundane. It was as Ben Edlund once wrote, the apotheosis of cool. For 17 years and seven seasons, we got a bespoke craft animation experience that defied conventions, subverted expectations, undercut every shibboleth, and tripped through tropes with the zeal of the newly converted. And every season got better. Seriously, how many shows can say that? That's why it was such a surprise when we learned just a couple of days ago that the show had been abruptly and unceremoniously canceled. The writers, directors, character designers, special effects, and actors, aka the same two guys, Doc Hammer and Jackson Public, were already hard at work at what was speculated to be their grand finale when they got the news. The rest of us were busy scribbling our theories for everything would turn out in season eight, but... After 17 years, Cartoon Network pulled the plug. The season seven finale had just set up the trench run. Imagine for a moment that you didn't even get to the restaurant scene in Sopranos, or Game of Thrones was canceled right before the big battle in Winterfell. That's kind of the level of rug pulled out we're talking about here. The characters who started off as odes to classic cartoon caricatures quickly became so much more silly, Complex, messy, dynamic, with guys in butterfly costumes waxing villainous about revenge before stripping down to tiger print underwear to propose marriage at a crappy motel so his girlfriend doesn't walk out on Even the most extreme elements felt incredibly human. Or a Megamind-level break and enter at what turns out to be his accountant's office instead of the arch-nemesis's secret warehouse. Turns out the flying cocoon's GPS took them to the wrong address. Everyone rightly points out that the Venture Brothers was a show about failure. The bad guys were just bad, but they were often bad at being bad and even worse as people. The good guys were bad at being good guys. To date, there are really only three competent people the show has ever featured, one of whom, Red Death, is a grinning skull avatar of hell with a wife who wants him to stop working weekends and a little girl who's the apple of his evil eye. From the beginning, it imagined a world, what a world would look like if Johnny Quest was real. Imagine if a boy adventure type has grown up, as, grown up as an adventure hostage, constantly needing saving and finding themselves dealing with the craziest situations possible throughout their childhood. What would that young person grow up to be? What would it do to an eight-year-old when your James Bond uncle puts a gun in your hand and demands you kill a guy in an animal-themed villain costume 
to save your father in an Aztec temple misadventure. In the cartoon fantasies of Tom Swift, Johnny Quest, the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, 1010, the Bobsy Twins, or any Horatio Alger novel, they possess the personal fortitude, insightful cunning, moral convictions, and brilliant luck to get out of any situation. Whether it's dealing with snake men trying to steal your father's super tech or ghost Apaches rampaging through your swimsuit, imagine if it were all somehow more mundane. And that's the one thing the Venture Brothers took into account that many of these inspirational series teased but never faced. And that was a damaged humanity something that didn't bode well for what the real answer might be. And the answer was all too human. As we see in the case of Doc Rusty Venture, a pathetic failure who was too egotistical to see how the most awful parts of the life he hated as a child were the same things he was visiting upon his own children. He believed he was brilliant but couldn't get anything to work right. A trust fund baby coasting on the coattails of his Doc Savage adventurer, inventor, playboy father. A man who would have stayed in college interminably if not for the untimely death of his dad and hundreds of other people during a space station movie night accident featuring Sharky's machine. Rusty was an unlovable loser who had faced torment, loss, and despair and said, surely this means I'm important. His doctorate was honorary. His inability to finish anything, take responsibility for anything, or appreciate anything that anyone else did set the guiding tone for the family. There's nothing you can do to us that I haven't already survived, so why even bother? He's too busy being bored to be a dad to his kids. He makes up his own awful drinks, and he cheats his friends. And of course, it'd be lax not to include the villains. The Venture Brothers features what was quite possibly the best rogues gallery of any show ever, because it was every single show ever. From the jump, it was spearheaded by the mighty monarch, a parody of a man who turned out to be one of the most brutally relatable figures cut across the seven seasons. The eponymously butterfly-garbed villain with his flying cocoon, team of inept henchmen, right-hand woman, Dr. Girlfriend, quite possibly the best character on the show, and a deep and abiding hatred for our shitty protagonist. You had chaotic law characters like Colonel Hunter Gathers, a loving ode to Hunter S. Thompson, and analogs for every superhero or villain you ever loved or hated. Whether it was Mr. Mixoplick, uh, wait, can you pronounce that for me? Mixoplick? Mixopitlick? Mixo, Mixes Pitlick? <laughs> the Hulk? Mixopitlick. Doctor Strange or Doctor Strangelove. There was even a character called Brick Frog, who was just a guy in a frog costume who threw bricks. But don't let the names fool you. The writers, Jackson Public and Doc Hammer, were among the very best in the business when it came to names. In, in a surprise development, providing a superstructure to it all was the G.I. Joe Cobra relationship between the government-funded OSI and the show's crowning idea, the Guild of Calamitous Intent, essentially a professional union for those who make a career of costume aggression. The fantastic thematics for the stage show and the paperwork, dental coverage, and gated community lifestyle were the secret day-to-day -day of villainy. Imagine arching your nemesis, possibly killing or maiming some of them, and then having them fill out paperwork so they could prove you'd put in your hours and make sure your henchmen were leveling up according to the guild procedures. Um, I'm going to skip big chunks of this. Uh, to get to, I, I've actually already skipped big chunks of it. Um, While we're taking a break, I have to, like, I've been holding this in. Please. Shibblent. 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 Yeah. Shibblent. 
Shibboleth. See, we wouldn't let him in. <laughs> <laughs> no, like you can't you can't use words like that and not expect me to be like, oh, like yeah, that's great. I can't. You're 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 going on for like Herman Melville times, and then like I have to sit on like that's the word of the episode. <laughs> Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and skip here to the end. All right. Uh, all oh, oh I'm added, sorry. We're going. We're officially <laughs> hopping over Melville and going straight to Dostoevsky. All right, here we go. <laughs> okay. Well, we're, well, we're on the the word though. That is completely the word of the episode because I don't know if you know there was a West Wing Christmas episode that was named Shibboleth, and I the entire thing was premised around that. It was this whole like. Uh, uh, religious persecuted. Um, I think they were Chinese or Hong Kong or somewhere out of there, but they were Christian. Uh, but they came over and the president did the whole bit of, um, there's some religious story about the whole thing. And the guy knew it from China or wherever he was from. And so they got to stay. And the whole episode was revolved around the word shibboleth. So as soon as I read that, when you had posted it originally, I was all like, ah, West Wing, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, So can you explain what a shibboleth is? Uh, Because I actually think that this ties back in to what you were talking about with Mash Beast. I don't know what that is, so. I know what Mash is. I don't know what a shibboleth is. Go ahead. Well, essentially, from what I remember of uh, the explanation I got there, because it was really my only running across the word, was it's essentially like um, like a secret code uh, for people who, were, no matter where you're coming from, or because uh, it is clearly an older word, um, essentially it was like a passcode, if, if what I'm remembering is correct, a way to know that essentially you're kind of speaking the same language as someone else, even if you're not necessarily speaking the same language. So the way I have always conceived of shibboleth, uh, the exact definition is essentially like a custom or tradition, usually of choice of phrasing or even a single word that distinguishes one group of people from another. I have always looked at shibboleth as the cultural uh, sacredization of an anachronism. Or as Oscar Wilde called it, you know it's a classic when everyone talks about it, but nobody reads it, right? Which ties back into your MASH thing. Like, okay, it's something like about the jokes of the show. It's something that people are giving lip service to without actually engaging with. Like Baba OJ. Like Baba OJ, yes. So what happens then, and the reason, like the, the idea of the shibboleth it's something that everyone's like that people say they're attributing value to, but people don't actually value because whatever meaning it might have had is lost. You're just using it as an identifier. So if like, and it, it's a phrase that gets used quite often in like political contexts, right? Um, the uh, the example that it actually gives here in the OED is uh, the party began to break with the shibboleths of the left. So it's ideas that have carried through that have been such a defining factor for other people's identification or their own self-identification that don't actually bear any meaning to them anymore. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great word. Uh, and it pretty much boils down to Oscar Wilde's definition of a classic. It's lip service to something you don't engage with. Democracy? (laughs) 
And all of this added up to something truly special, something that truly deserved right. to go out in a hail of gunfire and death rays while people in wacky costumes quipped the light fantastic. This show had something very few shows actually managed to pull off. Edge. Everyone talked about it, but this show managed to deliver it in a way that managed to build one of the best and most inclusive fandoms of any intellectual property out there. You were never to anything to find your place in the Venture Brothers. No one was pissed for, quote, ruining their childhood or including certain types of characters. It was all fair game. And the satire spared no one, but didn't pick on anyone. It was unapologetic, comfortable with its patina, and still as incisive and sharp as ever. As to why it was cut, there are theories. Warner Bros. Media, who own Cartoon Network and Adult Swim, recently underwent some leadership changes. Perhaps it was simply a, they won't let us make plush dolls, so we need to jettison it for something we can make more merchandising money off of. Perhaps they thought it was too referential and needed a different take for a new audience. Who knows? One of the writers, Doc Hammer, made peace with the ambiguity with a Facebook post recently, saying essentially he still didn't know, and it was above his pay grade. HBO Max has ex expressed interest, but Hulu has the streaming rights and the paperwork is bound to be guild level. The devoted fans, some of us who've been following the show with great interest for longer than we'd like to admit are taking this announcement pretty hard. I spoke with one fan recently who had taken to drinking to handle the news. She opined that the answer to the question was probably, what would Dolly Parton do? And that's why the campaign to save the Venture Brothers is already underway. And I encourage you to do your part. Take a few moments, click on the link, add your support, and help us get one more season from one of the greatest TV shows we've been lucky enough to see for as long as we have. If it works, we're in for something really special. I'd like to take this opportunity and actually uh, reference the letter writing campaign that David Lynch uh, encouraged uh, about the cancellation of Twin Peaks while he was on Letterman, just so I could get our Twin Peaks reference in for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> they give you one reference in one episode, and you're just going to run with it forever now. <laughs> no, um, it's, a, it's a weird thing nowadays. Uh, you know, letter writing campaigns are not new. However, like we are in like the Snyder Cut age and it's weird because I don't think that anybody, a fan, like you as a fan do not have a right to somebody else's artistic output just because you like it. That's correct. Um, but that being said, like I do love Venture Brothers. I do want to see a little bit more resolution in some areas. I mean, you know what? I could go the rest of my life without knowing who Scare Bear is. And that's okay. I'm okay with that mystery. It's more fun to think about who's under the Scare Bear costume than it is to actually find out at this point. Yeah. But I want to see, you know, what happens with Hank and Dean. I want to know what yes. the resolution is. That was, and, and if I, like, that more than anything else, again, that is why I was convinced we were heading into our, like, our, our coup de grace. I would, and I mean, like, I, we've talked about this, like, at length, like, you know, the three of us, like, just, you know, what, what it could have been, because I love the idea of the boys arching each other, and it's basically just, like, 
Animal House in the Venture Universe or Real Genius, like those like 80s level, like, you know, college pranks, like, <laughs> you know, just getting like out of hand until like- an, an Until one of them gives the other one herpes. <laughs> now you have AIDS. <laughs> well, dude, me and Villain were talking about it, like escalates up until like one accidentally kills the other. And then they have to like go back to the cloning tube and wait it out. Um, and like no, the first oh thing God, they say, right. like coming back is, don't tell dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They went back to cloning. I forgot we talked about that. Oh my God. Uh, you know, it, and it, I, this just popped into my head because one of the, it, it was a one off just for shits and giggles, but it could totally play in here. Uh, let's say that, because, uh, Let's just, for the sake of argument, who would kill whom? Would Dean kill Hank or would Hank kill Dean? Well, here's the thing is, depending on the scenario, like, and I say this after having listened to approximately 20 hours of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it going both ways, Watson. Um, uh, so Hank would accidentally, like, well, Hank, like, put uh, put this on the table. Hank will accidentally kill himself. That is, like, firmly on the table. But Hank Dean is also Dean the most likely to accidentally drop a piano on Dean. Whereas Dean is, like, m more, like, prone to... He would get Hank killed by, like, you know, having Hank in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he got hit by a bus, and it's a little bit more you know, abrupt and, and pathosy. I can see Hank killing himself by accident, but Dean believing that he had done it. And that's where this, uh, like, deus ex machina comes in. Do you remember the time machine? The wardrobe? Yeah, Chester A. Arthur's time Chester machine. Chester A. Arthur's time machine. Because we have, at one point, Doc, stepping out of the time machine, seeing the monarch and saying, oh, hey, Malcolm, right? Which means you could have Doc trying to rescue Hank at the last possible moment with Chester A. Arthur's time machine. To, oh, like, dude, rip him a out Chester of A. Arthur time machine special? Like, yeah. that's the oh, hour and a half God. special? Like, and they have the teleporter. Dude, if they were playing with time and the teleporter and well, using everything go full fuck bore, I mean, use every piece of venture equipment that we've ever seen half work and actually get everything <laughs> running at the end. Oh, dude, like, that dude. would just, like, they well, actually succeeded at being cool. Well, Chester A. Arthur's time machine also pops up. Like, you could also firmly hit uh, Return to the House of Mummies. <laughs> I was thinking just go straight back to like uh, a, a day on the set at um, the Rusty Venture cartoon. Oh, dude, that would like, be great. Yeah. Just pop in there real quick and just let like older Rusty punch his dad in the face once and then just teleport over and time zip out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like, if it's going to be their that? last run. It, yeah. Just he, the hand. he pops out and says, ignore me. <laughs> just clocks him. You could totally do a callback to when Rusty got split into multiple parts and just have the hand come out and punch Dad real quick. Just a little <laughs> sight gag of just them split I up. I feel something wet. <laughs> <laughs> he punches his dad in the rain. Like <laughs> oh, and I mean, like, you could go back, like, that could be the, the like, by having those two, 
like, you know, plot device, like technologies in, you could go back through and use this as a way to, this could be how you set up like, you know, the whole return, was it a 20 years to midnight where like, you know, Jonas gets the transmission and like, you know, and all that. And the, the grand collective the, wizard bit, like do the brilliant cutback to an episode from way the fuck back when that suddenly becomes hella relevant. Uh, like, <laughs> well, and, and let's be honest, like that, it, what was your favorite part of Endgame? Because mine was the way that they played with all the stuff that had come before. Right. When they figure out that like they've got three stones in New York at one time, like on on a particular day. Yeah. Uh and then like having like, you know, them trying to avoid the interaction with each other. I mean, that's that's classic time travely stuff. You know, that's a good time travel trope. I mean, there's lots of Doctor Who in that. Um how would you venturize that though? Well, first you'd have to have 21 commenting on the fact that it's just like Endgame the entire time and he couldn't right. be more excited. Yeah. Like, oh my god, I'm in Endgame! Like, <laughs> yeah. um, just... 21 rescues 24. Oh! And Red Death helps, so it totally looks like Endgame. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so good. You must sacrifice something you love. And it's like uh, like his quisp goatee. <laughs> and he oh, puts God. it on Red Death. He's like, you know, it's actually working for you. Now, okay, uh, now that, you know, one of the things I will say since cancellation, people are finally fucking writing articles about Venture Brothers. Like, mm. uh, you know, thanks for the press, guys. A uh, little... Uh, they got they, mentioned it would have been on, great if you guys were doing this earlier <laughs> they mentioned it on uh kevin smith's podcast uh last night and it was like you know i've been a fan for like the last like 17 years i'm like oh i haven't heard you fucking say anything about it in 17 years like <laughs> it's gotta get canceled for you to even mention the thing and they went on for like five minutes like oh james urbaniac great guy man they were getting away with the thing over there seven seasons in 17 years and i was like you didn't talk about them coming back you didn't mention all right fine we had to die for you to even notice us like <laughs> <laughs> well and okay so uh like well, one of the things i will say about some of the articles coming out th there's some interesting creativity like i want to say i came across a uh uh, it was either Motor Trend or, or uh, like, Popular Mechanics, the best venture vehicles. Oh, nice. Yeah, like, they were talking about, like, you know, going through the, the list of them. Um, and it was more kind of confined to, like, you know, uh, n not flying apartment complexes, i.e. the Cocoon uh, or, or the Sphinx. Uh <laughs> I never but it was of more it. like you know hover tanks and and monarch mobiles i never thought of it as an apartment complex that flies but you're a thousand percent correct that is a shitty flying apartment complex <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'd run a three-bedroom in that there's like leaks in the basement letting out gas and shit all the time like the place sucks <laughs> it is your first apartment in the sky <laughs> <laughs> It's like Delta. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, okay. So, like, 
you've got Doc, uh, you know, recruiting interns from like state university, right? And then like, you know, you've got the guild recruiting interns for like various villain organizations from like community colleges. If you were the guild, which colleges would you go to to recruit? Where would you think that you would find your 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 mad scientists and your your evil like NYU maybe? Because you might get like the artsy crowd and everything. Oh man, if you want legit evil scientists. You want to go hang out in the break room at Google and see who's having a bad day. You I was going to say, they're a lot more like sports uh, agents. Like, you better believe there's one dude hanging outside of like burn units. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, there's a guy hanging out like at, at Tesla, like <laughs> waiting. Put, you're having a bad day and you're le- working with electromagnetic fields, you say. Go on. Tell me more. <laughs> like, like, I don't know that they're hanging out at MIT looking for disaffected, like, poli-sci majors with a, you know, with, with a penchant for uh, electromagnetism or, you know, like, I, I just, I, I, could... I we, we all kind of intuitively believe that that's something that could happen, but have you seen what they're pumping out of the colleges? Like, you need somebody who's been in the real world a little bit. Like, it, you know, you need somebody who was like, yeah, I, I used to work for CNN, and uh, I also dabble with uh, the dark oh magic God. on the side. Okay, so we're going to end up doing this at some point somehow, but the Watch and Ward ad that gets played at late at night, like, have you recently been fired from <laughs> a job that is, is like, it's <laughs> yeah. just all of these oh, dude, laundry you, lists. Have you been fired from a job more than 18 months ago, but you still really hate that guy? <laughs> were you... <laughs> <laughs> would you say that your hate is deep and abiding like the mississippi river <laughs> even if that's your only good trait that's good that can be enough for you <laughs> oh my you have God. no family ties <laughs> you hate people who tell you you're not good enough to us your hate is good enough hey you there pathetic guy in the black and yellow butterfly costume. Have you been bungling through life, not able to control anyone around you? Do you want to force others to do your bidding? May I present the Hypno-Eye. Make friends and influence people by influencing people. Just listen to these happy customers. Hypno-Eye is the best. I love bamboo shoots under my fingernails. The Hypno-Eye is the best Hypno-Eye I have ever owned, owned, owned. I love Hypno-Eye. I do all of my son's homework now. Just call this toll-free number on an untraceable phone. And don't forget to stare closely at your screen before ordering. <laughs> Are you a sidekick, villain, or henchman who is the victim of a super science accident due to no fault of your own? Perhaps you find yourself recently and unfairly unemployed due to an unfortunate Brock Samsoning? Perhaps you've been adversely affected by global warming because you've been turned inside out and your skin is on the inside. Down to the law offices of Tiny Attorney, Cityspell, 
have a glass of sweet tea, and we'll discuss your sorely afflicted condition. And together, we will get down to the bottom of your case like a possum rooting around in your trash can after a pick picking. We will climb the justice system like a kudzu choking a mighty oak. That's the law offices of Tiny Atoiny, down on the bayou, next to the nuclear power station. Look for the big fella in the rocking chair with the little fella poking out of him. That's me, Tiny Atoiny. Um, Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. Where does the Venture Bros go from here if there's any going to be done? Like, what is the worst case scenario? What is the best case scenario? Uh, you know what? I think um, I'm going to call Jonas's head half alive. <laughs> like, that's the best way I can kind of frame it. Like, it's one of those... Um, villain made a, a really good point with this this uh ballad of buster scruggs meme um <laughs> like you know it was like you know was it uh venture brothers fans are you know upset and you know crying and it's like you know futurama fans first time um yeah so yeah. like after you know kind of seeing what guys like uh matt groning and groaning however pronounced groaning yeah um simpsons guy uh and then family guy guy uh like they've gone through some cancellations and come back and their their careers have actually gotten interestingly stronger for it um i think this is one of those things i mean i would love it if every like two or three years we got like you know an hour and a half venture brothers movie for a hot minute um and to kind of allow them to to move on um so i mean as long as they've got jonas's head on ice like you know so to speak uh, you know, I think there's always possibility for, you know, for some sort of a comeback. And uh, again, like, do I want resolutions? Yes. Am I happy with where we're at? Yes, because I, I have no choice to be otherwise. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've seen people doing the debate of uh, whether or not it should come back as a show or uh, just come back and do a movie and end it. Um, and before we kind of actually sat down and really talked about it, before we kind of just hit on that, the time, uh, the time machine slash teleporter fun that they could do, which I think would be actually a really great, um, not necessarily that, but just the idea of some kind of nice big culmination. They've shown that they can handle that kind of thing with... Um, some of the other uh, larger sh uh, episodes that they've done uh, either in actual scale time wise, or just some of the episodes they've managed to cram so much important information into. Um, I'd be happy with it coming back in any capacity. And, but same thing I've seen some shows maybe last a little too long. They were never that great in the first place, not nearly as great as venture brothers, but they also lasted a little too long. Um, and not to say that, you know, with the guys who are writing the show, they <laughs> would have held just it say, tight. You can just say Big Bang Theory. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. I don't have to expose the fact that I'm talking about True Blood. Um, shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, it's, you kind of, if you're happy with the last episode that you got, how can you not be happy with the show? 
Uh, and that's kind of the attitude I always try and take with most things. And there are shows that I've given up on and I'm happy with. And then the, the, the public has been very disappointed with the, the last season and a half that I was like, mm, I kind of maybe smelled it in the water. The writers were kind of cooking a little too long. Um, so I'm glad it never hit that point. There's no, uh, as community fans would call it, gas leak season that you have to worry about where you're like, what the hell was going on in that writer's room? Yeah. Uh, you know, it is a solid beast of a show from start to finish. Uh, more, yes, please. If this is it, fuck am I going to complain about? I couldn't have done better. Like, <laughs> Well, I mean, and, you know, coming from comic books and, and recently in the era of like mantle superheroes, like, you know, the, the Riri Williams and, and the Kate Bishops and stuff. And you hear a lot of those arguments like you know well why did we even need those things and this things and it's kind of the opposite side of the same coin like my my argument's always going to be the same is it didn't take away you know the 40 plus years of iron man comics before it so i'm not going to be mad about like you know riri williams as quote unquote the the iron man analog here um and it's the same thing with venture brothers like you know if they don't bring it back in any capacity it doesn't erase the first seven seasons you know, um, that being said, like, I would love Venture Brothers to come back as a comic. Like, that that would be a very fun and cost-effective way to keep it in the, the zeitgeist until they could, you know, maybe scrounge up enough funding for, for an animation project. And, and uh, I got to agree with that one. And just to keep pushing this on one on you until you actually uh, end up watching it... Um... <clears throat> There was a, uh, or is the great show, because it was another one that got canceled and came back. Uh, so another one where, you know, when the news came, I didn't, I, I was upset to hear the news, but at the same time, this isn't my first show to get canceled and even come back. Uh, Young Justice, uh, which is basically like um, Teen Titans, but they threw a different name on it because Teen Titans was just sort of already around enough. Um they did a concurrent run where they had, I want to say 14 to 20 or so comics that ran as in between episode comics. Um, you didn't need to read them, but they completely filled in storylines along the way. Uh, so they could even give me things like that. I would be, I would love to go back and read some season two in between comics. Um, you know, get back and do a escape to the house of mummies part six for me. Let me know how it ends um just get get around and you know you could do a lot of different things with mediums like that so the comic book i've heard someone mentioned there are rumblings about a comic book distributor that's already contacted them and said something to the effect of have at it but um idw and is that that's, who it was yeah and, and that's and their bread and butter uh like them and dynamite and uh lightly speaking dark horse uh they're really good at taking um other properties from like uh like other intellectual properties from you know other mediums and, and bringing them to comics like uh idw did uh, they do the doctor who comic and uh those are wonderful um the back to the key. future comic oh dude lock and key yeah 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 well uh, lock and key it's one of those uh lock and key yeah no that was a trend no there wasn't a book series that was just straight comic um mm -hmm. but no like uh, and now a netflix show yeah uh idw also does the glow comic uh which i can't recommend enough like that is just wonderful i still um, can't believe that exists i need to get around to that <laughs> like <laughs> yeah no and i would love to see venture i mean and knowing that you know it started out as a uh, a comic book pitch 
you know so reeling it back to that um and especially i think with like a super established universe i don't think would be that hard i mean seriously i could think of like four titles off the top of my head that like i could pitch right like of course you get your core like venture brothers title but then you could totally do like a a monarch or like a guild spinoff title um you know do a you know an orpheus title i mean it could be like a you know a, a tiny little archie universe of of comics you know that same way and i mean hit those major like comic tent poles right you could have your superhero stuff in like your regular venture brothers super science you could follow the triad for your magic you know uh I, i'm not sure how we would do cosmic other than maybe shadow like the life of grand galactic inquisitor up until he gets shot in the head i uh, um. <laughs> i gotta tell you now the tick worked great as a comic book I'm not sure that what worked great with the Venture Brothers will translate the same way. I, I feel like it would I, be a... I was worried about the same thing. And here's the only thing that gives me hope. So the Tick has always had problems coming off the page into real life. And when I say problems, I don't just mean in translation. Like uh, 9-11 sabotaged that show uh you know like it did a lot of of american things like you know you if you go back and just look at the production histories of things um news events cancel tv shows all the damn time now granted in 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 the streaming world this is going to be a whole different thing but you know when you had network television and cable like you know uh the mash uh spinoff uh for radar was canceled because of the uh like uh, Reagan shooting um, you know the tick only got like what uh, I think it was uh, six episodes and then was essentially canceled because of 9-11 yeah. um, and there's a ton of those shows that happen so I mean the production problems aren't just like the writing and things like that and bringing the fantastical universe but what I like the things that tell me the the writing can go back you know to the page and still be okay you have titles like, uh, you know, the Rick and Morty comic is amazing. Um, in fact, I want to say I actually like it more than the show. Really? Uh, and the Teen Titans Go comic is the same way. It's just as much fun. Um, like, uh, the Teen Titans Go series is ridiculous and all over the place. And, you know, it's very much made for the, the comic book parent to watch with their kids. Yeah. The books are a little bit more centered. Like they had Teen Titans go to camp for like 18 issues and you get uh, so many like of your Venture Brother-esque like, you know, references and tropes and archetypes and all of that stuff. Uh, and then they did, was it the new one is Teen Titans uh, rollout and it's like D20 rollout. So it's like uh, a and d like, you know, they're playing a prolonged D&D &D fantasy game. And it's it's been a lot of fun. And they do a lot of like, you know, your real world and then you step into the imagined world, um, kind of a la like, you know, that one episode of uh, South Park where they pretend anime. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's kind of like that back and cutting back and forth. And I mean, dude, the panels and gutters have gotten really sophisticated in their ability to tell a story like comic books are more sophisticated than just storyboards now yeah um and so i definitely think like 
bringing Venture Brothers to the page that way, it would definitely be a lot easier with pre-established techniques that have kind of come up yeah um to to get those jokes across oh dude and then you could totally have like you know uh that fun thing where you know comic characters get introduced and then brought into like the animation universe and blah blah and so on and so forth like dude actually have a brick frog comic where that guy gets some lines a little bit of character <laughs> development. yeah oh my god it'd be like the uh there's i read somewhere there was or i read this comic there was like the um the backstory on kite man and it gives him a whole <laughs> long set and you don't even realize it for like the first half of it because you know dc loves to kind of throw you curveballs on their setups and everything um then all of a sudden at the very end of it he comes walking into frame and it's just got the kite on the back and you just see him in the shadow you're like oh fuck it was kite man oh shit they just gave me the backstory on motherfucking kite man yeah no i love when they do that yeah <laughs> the awesome. brick frog one would be amazing <laughs> dude well and i mean harley quinn is proof that like the venture brothers formula works and you can you can point that gun at any universe just the little nods and things and you know the the preposterous like whereas the guild is more of a union like harley quinn universe like legion of doom is a little bit more of like a villain country club with perks right like you know you've get like access to like vehicles for your hinge people uh you know if you're uh, like you know a killer croc or like a king shark you know they've got a multi-level like swim tank with like actual divers stocked in it (laughs) (laughs) oh dude and ron funches as king shark is really just it's the best thing (laughs) they absolutely nailed that i haven't seen it oh you're in for a treat dude and it truly truly is a treat well, and not only is it just wonderful as like a, a you know, great version of the DC universe, but it, it very much um, is the progeny of Venture Brothers. Really? Like this cartoon could not exist without like, you know, the groundwork that Venture Brothers laid in, in structuring like the mundane with the like, you know, fantastical. Have you gotten through season two yet? No, dude, I am so sipping on this one. Oh, oh. okay. You guys got to let me know when you both get to it because season two has hands down the funniest 30 minutes of Batman or 20 minutes of Batman. They finally give him an entire episode in season two and it is, oh, fuck. Well, and they're like, specifically their approach to Jim Gordon is one of the most Venture Brother things on the show. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Let him have that moment. (laughs) It's a great moment. It is an absolutely brilliant moment. Let him have that one. All I'm going to say in like the the Dietrich Bader Batman voice is, no, Jim, we're co-workers. That's pretty funny. I'll take it. Uh, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy that. That's a good one. So I mean, you know, Venture Brothers has left its cultural traitor. You know, not only is it something that like you know we can always refer back to, uh, and we're going to because uh, I guess that's what we're in the business of now, um, right? As a podcast, uh, but also I mean, you know, there are a, a ton of things that inspired kind of going forward. Uh, you know, I know the the Guild Gang is definitely a little bit more heavily into 
the uh, Cartoon Network end of, of the adult animation stuff. So they talk a lot about like, you know, Mau Mau and how both Doc and Jackson are characters on that. Uh, something else, uh, being a podcast aficionado myself, one, thing, uh, one of the shows I really enjoy is Thrilling Adventure Hour. And uh, Christopher McCullough, Doc Jackson, and uh, Ken Plume occasionally crop up on that. Um, you know, uh, Christopher McCullough uh, pops up on um, Welcome to Night Vale. You know, so these guys have creative outlets and stuff. And, you know, they're, the Venture Brothers has, has, you know, done its work. It's done its good work. You know, it not only was it an amazing show, but, you know, uh, we've said it a, a bajillion times, like, you know, this is the, you know, uh, Velvet Underground of cartoons. This has inspired other cartoons. And the unique thing about Harley Quinn, Paul Dini had a, another animated series. You know, he had Batman the Animated Series. This guy is already established with, like, animated greatness. Yeah. And then he went back and said, I get to have a fun take at this. Let me venturize the DC universe. Let's venture in. Yeah, and I mean, and that tells you everything you need to know about Venture Brothers is when, like, you know, established, uh, you know, animation institutions are like, these guys are on to something. I'll buy that. But it really kind of boils down to what the best case scenario might be. And you've laid out a lot of really good options and alternatives. We've heard, I mean, the, the worst case scenario in this case is we get, uh, you know, 15 years of uh, decreasingly useful uh, fanfic, <laughs> right? You uh, know, worst case scenario would be somebody hops in Chester A. Arthur's time machine and erases Venture Brothers from history. Like, right. that's the thing is you keep talking about worst case scenario you can't take my seven seasons away, Savage, and, no matter and how actually, hard you try. And, and I, I got to tell you again, like you, you kind of coming to terms with if this is it, this isn't half bad, right? We can make do with that. We have an opportunity to, uh, you know, take what we've got, be grateful for it, move on. And I'm sure that there will be no problems with moving on for the people who've been involved. There are these creative outlets. What's the best case scenario? What is the absolute best case scenario? Is the best case scenario that there is a time bomb on this now and it is six episodes and it is, you know, we've got six episodes that HBO Max has been lucky enough to grant us. Is it a two-parter where we get two hour and a half long episodes, which we know is a format they're already interested in, right? Well, I mean, again, like, you know, uh, I guess philosophically, it all boils down to best case scenario is more Venture Brothers, and there is no worst case. Yeah. Uh, for one hour, all on HBO Max, Zack Snyder's The Venture Brothers. That's the worst <laughs> case scenario. Oh. <laughs> and it just, everyone, just, he just comes out all smug and all smarmy. Mm, they told me I was a genius. Mm. <laughs> you know, this is why villain is directly in your name, sir. Uh, because you do quality work. The second I can't, and I'm a pretty sadistic fuck. 
and I can't fathom anything that bad. And then he's like putting Snyder's like fingers all up in my <laughs> vagina. Like, no. <laughs> I just see Doc and Jackson like sadly crying in the background of the shot that he has framed perfectly on himself with the light just so. I love how his Zoom calls fucking killed you. You know who else? All that shit. He was like perfectly framed like for like a, a and you're just like dude you're on a zoom chat like you don't need this level of cinematography like <laughs> flares on a zoom chat like <laughs> you know another show that's actually taken quite a lot from from the venture brothers uh standard hmm. ducktales really Which I have you never keep, watched you keep trying to get me on this one this is this is my uh young justice to you <laughs> dude, young justice was excellent the, uh, right it was again, I, like I, I was happy we got what we got. I don't know that I was uh, standing so hard for another season, but uh, had we gotten another one, I would have watched the hell out of that. Uh, we did. There's a three incoming four. We got a third. Wow. Okay. DC app, and so which means it's moving to HBO if they don't already have it. Because uh, um, DC app is going belly up, so everything's going to HBO Max. Yeah, no, actually, like now that I've got the Max, I need to. I need Yo, to uh, it, up and watch literally that. watch the first episode of Young Justice, and you won't stop. It is possibly one of the greatest pilots of a comic book related property. Period. Dude, uh, there have been some good ones, it's and excellent. the the, the very the first aster, one, bro. Feel the aster. Today's the day. You have to watch it. You, today's the day, man. Right. <laughs> it's, it's not on... Uh, all right, all right, fine. Like, it's not on, not on I'm not going to ask you to watch Hamilton. Uh, I'm just going to ask you to watch DuckTales. No, uh, you know did, what it was? I watch? attempted... I did not attempt Hamilton, but I attempted, a, I attempted to watch The Book of Mormon because I was like, I will go to a palatable place to see if I can even handle any form of musical anything. I can't even take those guys giving me a musical. I can't stand that. Uh, I don't think those guys are really musical. Like those guys are always musical. Like, did you enjoy South Park, the animated movie? Love it. There's just something about guys, on, people on a stage doing a play thing that's musical. It just bugs the living hell out of me. The entire concept bugs me as a whole. It's why I got into arching stage productions was to fuck up musicals. Like it started there and then whittled its way around. That was my <laughs> bread and butter was just like fucking up. Like it started out in the high schools and then I like worked my way to Broadway. I made it. Dude, like, <laughs> I, thought, I thought the butthole cut of cats was your masterstroke. Uh, that's my retirement plan. No, no, the, uh, no, no. His 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 master stroke is the Zack Snyder butthole cut of cats, as edited by Peter Jackson. Uh, dude, it's the just three movies of, of buttholes League. walking. <laughs> the butthole cut of Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> Going to see that fat cave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alfred, who else is in here? <laughs> okay. Oh god! Then you have the wonder. Uh, whoa! Does that mean spat? <laughs> like, Flash could not use the speed force to get into the Batcave at that point. No, no, no! <laughs> you, you, you can't. Get, no, no! You gotta ease it. But I did. You don't just want to be like no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. You gotta like. <laughs> oh god! You know this tells me this is a good time to wrap this up. <laughs> Because you're almost regretting this. <laughs> no, not 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 yet. No, I just I, I'm afraid that if we keep going, more Monty Python's gonna show up, and then 
that's going to trigger more Twin Peaks. And before we know it, we're just going to be sitting here yelling movie quotes at each other at increasingly higher pitches and louder volumes. That's pride <laughs> fucking with you. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're like four seconds away from a good Buckaroo Banzai reference. Does anyone else smell smoke? Well, hello there. It's me, Tiny Atoyny again. Have you or a loved one been a henchman that stormed Venture Compound and then awoke a reanimated corpse of their former self? Perhaps you had a college internship at Venture Industries and now experience hallucinatory dreams where you thought you had four arms and became a tribal people trying to take over the world called Palamon. Or perhaps your child attended a day camp and came back as a clone slug. If any of these describes you, you could be entitled to involvement in a class action lawsuit for hundreds of dollars. Please contact Tiny Attorney down on the bayou next to the nuclear power station. Remember to look for the big fella on the porch in the rocking chair. I'll be the little guy poking out of him. Tiny Attorney. I supposed to be doing here? I'm supposed to talk about the Sovereign Simulator? You want me to talk about something that makes you into a giant floating head? Seriously? This is the way the guild comes up with to make money? We get five cents per click. We're on Elon Musk's phone. He's a good kid. He wasn't as good as his dad. Did you ever meet Jovan? No. I heard he on Jeff Bezos' porch one time. Well, why couldn't we just attack someone? We're on the family share plan. So let me get this straight. They're gonna be pretending to be David Bowie, pretending to be the Wizard of Oz. They download the simulator and it goes on their phone and they can do what exactly? I guess I just don't understand. Whatever the kids are into these days, right? So when do we get started? <laughs> oh, that, oh, that's one of my- I totally so... got to make a Buckaroo Banzai uh, joke the other day. Uh, we were sitting there talking about, uh, uh, I, I have an inflatable mattress in my living room and it is the thing that has gotten us through quarantine. It is trampoline, it is tent, it is mountain, it is bed, it is so many things. And uh, so the kids were jumping, I made a, uh, came down and said something snarky. So I made a Buckaroo Banzai reference. I was like, it was just, it, it was like, oh yeah, everybody could be named John, Smallberry, right. Big Hang Boutet, on, hang, right? on. hang on, hang on. What's the protocol for when you say a clone's name? Ooh, Ooh. I, I, I think I owe, I think I owe. Oh no, you do, you brought one here. Like this is why we're needing to establish precedent. Yeah, it, like it's, uh, <laughs> I, I think that is just as bad. I think that counts. But no, I was talking about hunter gathers. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I love the idea of you raising a little hunter gathers. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I am, and his name is Ha Three. <laughs> he is chaotic, like he is. He is like he is chaotic law the whole way around. Um, ha Two got really upset with him for doing something that he shouldn't have done. He was like, bad. And now he's realized that's a power move. <laughs> so yeah, the youngest ones are snitches, man. He's literally 
goose stepping around the house in his Darth Vader cape with his red lightsaber singing the Imperial March. And he walks up and his walk is different. He is two years old. And when he gets that cape on, that lightsaber in his hand, he puts on his mean face and starts marching around the house. And if he wants something and you don't give it to him, he goes, bad. <laughs> like he's trying to force push you and shame you simultaneously. Force shaming. Force shaming. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot like being the father on Maury Povich. <laughs> you know, I, it's weird. <laughs> That, that was that was really good, by the way. That was a good metaphor. No, it's really weird when when your clones identify with the Empire so heavily. Like my oldest clone is like, I love stormtroopers. They're great. There's this one in white, and there's this one in red, and this one has a different face. Like he really identifies with those guys. He was upset. Like Death Star, boom. He was like. There were people on that thing. I know, contract. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, bud. Uh. You know, that was actually one of the most puzzling choices for the, uh, uh, the Rise of Skywalker was that they went out of their way to humanize the Stormtrooper. Like, you find out that Stormtroopers are women. You hear several female Stormtroopers. Like... John Boyega's character, Finn was a stormtrooper. Like you meet all these ex-stormtroopers. They were children ripped from their families. Like we know that these are like, you know, essentially captive children raised in a hostile environment and like just yearning to breathe free. You know, and we let's just murder as many of them as we possibly can. Well, yeah, I mean, it, like, it, it's, uh, you know, let's be honest, like, it's, it's you know, Nazi Germany. Yeah, sure, they're just following orders. Yeah, no, both of them fucking down. Um, and which is really interesting in a weird way in, in like, a, a version of America that's, you know, where a large contingency of people are openly sympathizing with white supremacy. They're Dude. totally like, oh, no, the people following orders they were just working man it's cool i'm like no the whole point of the stormtrooper is to be the faceless anonymous neutral mask like impending slow walking you know enemy like i don't want them to be humanized i want them to in fact if you could make i was excited about droids because if i found out those things weren't ever really human like yeah no fucking even better great just cut them down, like mow them like you know, knives like hot knife through butter. Just do that shit. So if you found out it was like little orphans in there, it would totally change your whole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just well, no, no, no. I mean, first off, if I found out it was orphans, uh, I'm picking up the pace because clearly there's a marking for orphan hearts, and those things have some sort of magical power that I don't understand. But that doesn't mean the black market on Silk Road doesn't. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, just real quick, when it comes to the authoritarianism thing, so uh, they have been running an authoritarianism poll in the United States for years. And 
20 years ago, the numbers were way lower than they are now. And 40 years ago, the numbers were way lower than they are now. And guess where the numbers are now? Here's a clue. It correlates really strongly to other polls you might be seeing. Scarily, you know, it's scarily close to 50. <laughs> like, and we're not talking about like, it, like authoritarianism, like, oh, like an idea, like charity. No, 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 no. It's, I agree with these tactics to get what we as the right society need. Well, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Everybody's been like, everybody's so fucking surprised. Why? America, love it or leave it, has been a fucking thing for how long? And now people are like, really like galvanizing on that idea and you're fucking surprised? But here's the thing, man. <laughs> like, we legit fought. Like, you know, you hear the phrase, oh, we fought two world wars to make sure. No, no, no. We fought one really awful world war to end authoritarianism right that's, like that's where guys that's like, the thing it did is that why we did it mm. <laughs> well, i mean Bucky fuller certainly didn't believe that's why it happened uh i mean I, I i don't think dan carlin would even say that that's why it happened well, uh, says that uh, World War II happened because World War I happened. Like, what was it Ferdinand Foch said? This isn't a peace treaty, it's a 20-year armistice. Yeah. And I mean, and, and you know, when, when studying those things, there is like, you know, immediately like historians do call like a, a direct relevancy to World War I. And, and you get that, like, you know, really do because the, the end of that was, was completely mismanaged. But I mean, uh, we didn't believe for a long time that like the concentration camps were a thing. Uh, one of our uh, allies was an authoritarian power with a secret police state. So if we're going around the world squashing authoritarianism in World War II, we did a real shit job of it. <laughs> you know, I, yes, and I... I this line of conversation, while wildly irrelevant, uh, actually made me think of the perfect denouement for this. Uh, one of my all-time favorite quotes is by a French general named Ferdinand Foch. Uh, his last name is spelled F-O-C-H. For years, I mispronounced it. <laughs> Quite enjoyably, I might add, because I was like, you know what we need right now? A little fucking, right? So... Um, I, I, I love that you have a favorite French general. Well, no, dude, he's awesome. Like, check I'm this out. I'm not saying he's not. Hey, <laughs> hang on, hang on just one second. Hey, Vaudevillain, who's your favorite French general? From World War One. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to specify. From World War One. Sorry, let me, let me separate that from all my favorite World War Two ones. Uh... <laughs> I'll get out my, my index cards and reorganize for a couple minutes. <laughs> Let me get back to you. <laughs> like, whoa, you know I don't even know. Books about submarines. God damn it. All these ones from all those old France and Britain wars. No, I got to get all those out. We're just doing the World War ones. I'll get the pink cards out. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I, I'm embarrassed. More of the right roses. Now. I don't need these. <laughs> You're embarrassed. Like, here's the thing. I have weird favorite things, too. 
everybody has a weird favorite thing. I just, and when I say that, I love that you have a favorite French general. I genuinely do love that thing about you. Cause that to me also admire, like that's the thing in me that mirrors like, I have a favorite like British music producer like from the 90s i have a favorite hot sauce that was produced only in the 2000s like and i'm not joking about these things yeah so let, let, let me wrap this up and tie it back into the venture brothers specifically about the cancellation okay so ferdinand Foch, he was a general he was present at the very beginning when germany attacked um, and he was there at the very end. He's actually the guy who said, this isn't a piece, it's a 20-year armistice, right? Um, he's being attacked, and the main commander of the French army at that time cannot get a hold of Ferdinand Foch, who was at the front lines of the Battle of the Marne, okay? And eventually, he gets a hold of him. And Ferdinand Foch responds with the following. Mont-Saint-Tracet, situation excellent, je tape. Which literally means my center is collapsing, my left is in full retreat, situation excellent, I am attacking. No, no, you're doing it all. You have to do it with the accent. <laughs> no. So, ho, ho, ho. I have missed one. What is this? So, but I digress. So, essentially, in situations where things appear to be going horribly wrong, you have the opportunity to head in bravely. And when we are confronted with the end of what is probably one of the best shows that we are going to get this century, right? Um, you know, this, it, it is a standout in so many ways. How many other shows make it 17 years? I mean, how many years did MASH run, Beast? Mm, uh, 11 seasons. Um, I think over the course of like 13 years. Yeah. Like, we got a heck uh, of a To run. be fair, though, they're also pumping out like 22 episodes a season like yeah. regular yeah. <laughs> i mean what is the episode count now that it's over how many episodes did, did they hit 100 did we even get that many i don't think we did like the math just doesn't uh, uh, generally speaking um on general network television you will hit 100 episodes in your fifth season um, if not like around the beginning of your sixth. Um, yeah, 81 episodes with the Safrax protocol. Yeah, yeah. Venture Brothers, I mean, it's it's the thing about like, you know, Venture Brothers, again, it, it's a yin and yang principle because Doc and, and uh, you know, Jackson kept the writing very unique of a flavor and you know kind of like th there was no writer's room it was just the two of them and then occasionally like ben edland or you know uh, uh other script you know contributor but it's the two of these guys like working on the season and stuff together and then you know moving it into production and that's why the seasons took so long 
so I don't know if I ever want to give, like, if it comes back, I don't want it to have a writer's room where they give me seasons faster. I don't want it to have a Rick and Morty writer's room. Like, I want my, like, you know, pretentious, handcrafted, artisan beer of a cartoon show. Like, I, I want to be the hipster sipping on the IPA <laughs> always with this show. It's just your inevitable cultural superiority. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? I'm glad this is over so no one else discovers it, so I will always be better than them. Is this your ass pennies? No, 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 no. Because I don't mind it coming back, but I don't want it coming back as a lesser thing. I don't want it coming back as uh, not Doc and Jackson writing it. I don't want it to come back as like, you know, um, not the, like, I don't want them to force another creative team on it. I I think that's the perfect answer to your, what's the best case scenario. It's any scenario is fine. As long as it's not the worst case scenario, which is getting brought back and forced to not be the show. It was as long as whatever the future holds, doesn't hold that. That's perfectly the best answer. Um, cause you gotta have a certain level of faith at this point that those two guys won't do the wrong thing. So as long as it's always in their hands, whatever they do or don't do with it, that's the best outcome possible. You know what I would actually be completely fine with? I know that they were well into the season eight scripts. I would love, like, if this is all we get the only extra thing that I would truly, genuinely like would be to get the Trevorrow script out of the Venture Brothers, right? Like, we got The Rise of Skywalker. It, it was what it was. It, it, it successfully happened, right? And then the Trevorrow, Colin Trevorrow script leaked out. And here was this entire thing that could have been and in many ways, the experience of creating that script in your own mind was just as, as much fun as watching the movie, right? So getting the Venture Brothers scripts that they had developed, getting an idea about where they were going and what could have been, if that happens, I will count us blessed because Every little bit of juice that we can squeeze from that fruit is well worth sampling. Well, and, you know, there, that's something to kind of consider on the back end of things is now, like, you know, uh, if it is complete, now we can actually start, you know, having completionist things. Like, uh, one of the favorite things I, I actually, one of the favorite books I will always have, and it's one of those I'll give away and then I, I rebuy it, and then inevitably I give it away to somebody else, and then I rebuy it. Uh, it it's the full Beatles lyrics, like the, the complete Beatles lyrics, right? So, I mean, like, I, I would buy, like, a, a complete, like, you know, Venture Brothers scripts. You know what I mean? Like, you know, having it... <laughs> having come in late to the game on Twin Peaks, uh, I really appreciate, like, having a completionist, you know point of view even though twin peaks may get a season four story can go on if it doesn't go on like there's still more than enough to keep me busy and i mean and that's the truth about the ventraverse is 
if if you're not entertained or or if you're bored with where it's at or you know you don't feel like you can go back and rewatch the series to find something new in it then i'm going to be honest you're you're fucking doing it wrong i've been watching the show for 17 years and i will watch an episode at random and still find something new yeah at any given moment uh fact for research for an episode we were possibly going to be talking about tonight i always thought it was mr mosley m-o-s-l-e-y no No, that's what i'm saying i missed the pronunciation and in the 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 one shot where you see the cat i never noticed the fact that i just saw it and thought it was a cat i think one of you guys had mentioned something about the uh yeah you were talking about getting a new kitten last time and you checked out all the kittens to see if one had three white paws yeah. And I was like, why the hell are you checking about paws? And then you said, mostly mittens. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? And then sure enough, for the show, we're watching an episode that literally the damn cat pops up in Dead Person. Um, and there it is, Stark as Day. I never noticed that it was mostly mittens. I thought it was it mostly. Yeah. Yep, never put that one together. There's always something, just an extra. If I would have watched with subtitles, I might have caught that sooner watching things with subtitles is it's a subtle treat yeah it's addicting kind of like i like, can't i feel weird if i don't see words in front of things i'm watching now it's <laughs> almost like a commentary track because there are little things that you pick up there uh and then i love there's some things with comedies the the one that i, I keep bringing up the show because it's one of my other major binges but the funniest character on the netflix version of the office is the subtitles because the, the things that they put in, even for just describing sound effects sometimes, it is the funniest goddamn character on the show. Um, yeah, if you don't watch with subtitles, give it a shot sometime. You might find out uh, you like something new. Oh, dude, yeah, <laughs> the, the cold open with the Kevin Chili. I think that the, the thing is like chili noises. Oh, yeah, no, like there's some of the stuff that, they, like... uh, yeah, you're just like, what the hell did you smoke before you decided to sit down and write the subtitles for this? Yeah, I, I, I don't even want to get into it. It's it's bad. Some of them are fucking hysterical, and some of them are just utterly, just really. I feel like right that that now. would be a really fun job, especially for something like Venture Brothers. Oh god! Like, yeah, yeah I mean, despair uh, noises. <laughs> <laughs> I would eventually like after a season or two of like making, uh, you know, the closed captions. I would totally just you know, Brock Crunchy murder noise. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's I could tell by your reaction. I am really, you know, I'm actually kind of feeling like the end of this episode is in some ways the end of our podcast's innocence. Like we have labored quite resolutely holding ourselves off from anything beyond season four in the mistaken belief that we were going to be wrapping up the second half with the end of season eight. That ain't happening. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming to grips with this still. <laughs> So, like, can we, are we taking the governor off? Is that what we're saying? Like, the 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 old rules are out the window now. <laughs> like, <laughs> anarchy. 
We're next not, week, uh, Safrax protocol. Let's go. <laughs> not, yeah, yeah. We're just we're, we're just gonna skip to the ending tomorrow. It's like yeah, Hank dies lonely and an actuary. <laughs> Benjamin Button, the whole fucking thing. <laughs> In yeah. my mind. Dean keeps collecting the little hair clogs and putting them under his pillow. And that's just a thing he does in perpetuity until he's like, you know, like out of hair. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, he's a grown man. He knows that this is wrong, but it's like a weird OCD tick that like, you know, he just kind of developed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The prog rock episode. God damn, that shit is so good. <laughs> Well, we do need to bring this episode to a close, and let's go ahead and get this out ASAP. Uh, with that being said, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share before we close this one out? I'm just going to cut this part and probably put it about 15 minutes ahead of where it's at. That's probably um, a good idea. <laughs> I, I just I love how we were about to wrap up and then we got into World War One and world how it started World War Two like that I was just a beautiful dovetail right I around. It. I had the set that up so well. <laughs> like, well, and you know what's funny? Nobody has asked me who my favorite French general is. Uh, who is your favorite French general? I'm what assuming it's uh, not General Pershing, but General Kissing. Uh, no, Rochambeau. That's where we get the name Rochambeau. There yes. we go. Uh, but actual French general. Uh, and that's a joke they make on the Venture Brothers. It is. Yes. <laughs> what's that got to do with the... Was it, what's that got to do from a... What's that got to do with a general from the French Revolution? No. American Revolution. Lafayette. Yeah. My hometown. Wait, you were born in Lafayette? There's one in California. Well, yeah, no, they're, they're everywhere. everywhere. I know there is. Yeah, that without the French, there's no America. Yeah, like not only did we buy half of America from France, but without the French, the Americans do not survive the uh, the war of colonial aggression. Interesting. So it's like they helped us with like the revolution, and then the Louisiana Purchase, and they're like, "We'll throw on the arrogance for free." Here you go, guys. Well, and you know what the, the real irony for this is? Uh, did they ever undo the Freedom Fries thing? Or is that still a thing? To me, Freedom Fries are like just the straight cut fries with no seasoning. Um, you know, they still offer Freedom Fries at the North Carolina Aquarium. Are you kidding? What? <laughs> it's, it's there. I saw it in person when I was there two years ago. And, which is why I'm asking if it ever got on cancer. Or if, like, they never if, made it to California. <laughs> yeah. well, bear in mind, like we, was, we heard about it as like a joke. And then like, like it might as well have been like a, a fake commercial at the beginning of SNL. That was how seriously we took that shit in California. We're like, <laughs> you hear what they're doing over there? That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, so back to living life. North um, Carolina, the General Assembly in North Carolina are also the people who bought you We Can Deny Climate Change by legislating it away. They just said there's no climate change according to state law. They were like, yeah, 
you know, global warming, not a thing. We're just, it, it, it's, it's illegal to consider global warming now. Well, you know, that's the thing, man. It's always like, you know, in the wording, in the billing. Of course, you would pick out the worst part. But like later on, there is a clause like where they did declare the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus real. So climate change, false. But your pseudo-Christian holidays, validated. There you go. I would like to also, uh, I've had, uh, there's been this whole thing about cancel culture. And the thing, the people that I see complaining about cancer culture are the same people who were all for freedom fries. (laughs) I feel like you missed the boat somewhere. Like, I feel like- It tells you exactly how much they really know about the fucking country. Okay, so (laughs) in almost every state, if not every state, there is some reference to Lafayette. And this is not like an accident. This is not a fucking coincidence. No, it's not. So after the revolution, one of the biggest events to happen to America at the time was the return of Lafayette. Uh, Historian and voice actress, Sarah Vowell, uh, actually wrote a book about it. Um, She plays, yeah, she does Violet uh, in the Incredibles movies. Yeah. and yeah, she uh, did a book about like Lafayette and his like big national tour. Like this was the biggest meal that's ever been served at the White House and hasn't been like replicated oh since. Goodness. It was like 30 something courses. Like they hired like thousands of new staff. Two thirds, no, I'm sorry, three quarters of the population of New York at the time went to the fucking harbor to see him come in. Wow. Yeah, like this dude, when they like, you know, reference him as the uh, the Lancelot of the revolution, they're not fucking wrong. Yeah. Like, I mean, he really did like, you know, come in aces for us. Yeah. And then like, you know, uh, we really don't understand what the French went through in World War One. We just know that they surrendered in World War Two, And ever since then, like it's perpetuated that American myth. And it's like, guys, like we, we wouldn't be Americans without the French. <laughs> you know one of the other things that uh you know I, I feel like we can't draw this on any longer uh but we are we have to wrap this up and so with this episode i hereby commit to doing the entire series without waiting for season eight unless we get some kind of amazing news We will keep plugging and chugging and demanding more from ourselves than we demand of our screenwriters. I mean, absolutely. Like, you know, watch Venture Brothers where you can, obviously, legally, you know, the Hulu stream and stuff. But, you know, just because Venture Brothers is over doesn't mean you expect less from us. More episodes, more tangents, more Twin Peaks, more French generals. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I buy that. I think we're going. I think we're going to a good place. Is it a farm up state? They said Venture Brothers would be there. <sighs> <laughs> so, with that being said, once again, my name is the inimitable Brock Savage. I am joined by my. I, <laughs> <laughs> Long time companda, the Baron Beast Lamode. 
the man whose degree is so honorary it hasn't even been offered. And we are joined <laughs> by our resident denizen of Jenner Theater, the man for whom, the man who is directly responsible for the advertising and marketing of the U.S. release of the French film Cuties. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get me some of that hatred heat. Is this the point where I go, I don't know if I want to be involved? <laughs> so, do you know the story behind this film? <laughs> yes. Dude, no, no, no. Do you actually know the story behind this film? This is a film that is legit trying to put the kibosh on the hypersexualization of young girls. It is a French film by a woman who saw this and was like, this is fucking wrong. So she made a film that talks about why you shouldn't be treating young women like this. While simultaneously, out of context, people are grabbing screenshots saying, uh, what about this? Yeah. And so, like, it, it, it just, it, I just caught an interview with the, with the writer, and she is dumbfounded. <laughs> right? And I'm sitting here thinking about it. It's like, wait a minute. How in the world did the marketing team absolutely fail so horribly? And then I thought to myself, it had to be Vaudevillain. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. This is nice to finally get recognized for my work in public. Um, we've got a lot of people I'd like to thank. Brickfrog, uh, <laughs> this is for you, buddy. We finally get to talk. <laughs> so this has been and will continue to be Conjectural Technologies, a venture industries podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to continuing to entertain your ears and horrifying your eyes for the foreseeable future. Good night, everybody. Go Team Venture. Conjectural Technologies podcast is hosted, produced, and researched by me, Beast Lamode, Professor Brock Savage, and Vaude Villain. Edited by Beast Lamode and Vaude Villain. Intro music produced by Professor Brock Savage. Email us at conjecturaltechpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at conjecttech underscore pod. And go Team Venture!